welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. This week, I, I don't know about you guys, but this week for me has been quite a, a week in terms of the news. Um, I don't have any of you been kind of like obsessively be, uh, watching what's happening in Ukraine. Has any, anyone else been watching the Ukraine situation? And uh, what's going on? I guess uh, some of you, Jish, uh, um, I, I found myself just watching it with just probably far too, uh, too much uh, interest because it is in one week, it's almost like we have rewound back to my childhood. And it seems like a new Cold War has dramatically um, been, been highlighted. And it's quite an interesting thing. I think it's an interesting time in history. And I think for us as the church, it's a really good idea for us to examine this time in history and to, as the Bible says, to, to understand the times, to understand the times. And, and no, this is not um, understand the end times, etc. That's not what I'm speaking about. But I think it's very important for us to get um, a kingdom perspective on what was uh, what's going on. And uh, earlier in the week, I heard the Lord just really speak that to me. And um, he said, Nigel, you know, there is, there is an er- earthly perspective, but there's also a kingdom perspective of what is going on. And so as I was sitting down and praying about tonight, I heard the Lord just give, well, I, I felt the Lord give me this message that it's a time for courage, that the time that we're living in is a time for courage, that the body of Christ uh, needs to embrace courage again. And the part of the reason is, is because so much is shifting so quickly. It feels like in 10 days, the world is different um, because of this conflict, which has the potential literally to change everything, to, uh, to change everything. Or even, um, you know, if you understand, if you listen to the media to end every, uh, everything on planet earth. And I think it's, it has never been in several decades, um, the concept or the, the idea of a nuclear war has never seemed more possible than, uh, than right now. And so for the church, it's a time to um, step into courage. And I think that courage is really being modeled um, right now by the Ukrainian people. Um, the Ukrainian people uh, are resisting extraordinary odds, extraordinary uh, power um, with a degree of unity and a degree of courage that um, I can't remember seeing in, um, in, modern, in modern life. Um, never have we seen an entire nation um, literally rally to to what their president has gone. And I think President Zelensky, um, is it Zelensky? Yes, it is, uh, uh, has become, in the space of 10 days, he's become a global icon of courage. I, I mean, he's really been incredible. Um, the way he's led, the way he's led with courage. I think that the iconic statement um, of the week so far has been when the United States offered him, uh, offered to evacuate him uh, from the Ukraine so that he could lead a government in exile. He said, uh, he said, the fight is here. 
I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. And uh, he has stayed in, uh, in place, full knowing that he is target number one for, uh, for the Russians who would love to, uh, to kill him and, uh, and his family. So I see that. I see them modeling courage. But at the same time, in a broader context, I look at what's happening in the world in terms of the fight for freedom, not just in Ukraine, but globally. Um, I, I see, like, uh, just before the Ukraine uh, conflict, there was the Canadian truckers who had a, um, a drive for, uh, for freedom. Um, I see, you know, over the last two, uh, two years, um, governments have encroached on uh, various kinds of freedoms. But not only that, but I see Christians globally uh, coming to the place where we are reticent, nervous, and sometimes uh, full-on afraid to express our, our um, faith in God, our, um, to express that we are Christians and that we're taking a stand um, uh, for God. And I, I feel like in some ways the church has become just like the Ukrainians, where we have to get to the place where the Ukrainians are, where we say we are ready to draw a line, where we will defend our boundaries of what is right and what is true. And it's a time for Christians to stand for the kingdom and to, uh, to stand for the gospel, where we embrace the truth and live the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus is, uh, is Lord. And when we say Lord, we, what we're saying is we believe he is in control. He is in, in control. And that some things, are, uh, are some things need to be sorted for him. And I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's amazing how in the West, I think what one of the consequences of what's happening in Ukraine, I think the West has had a massive rediscovery of evil. <laughs> it's like we've suddenly decided, you know, I, I, a couple of months ago, everyone was like, yes, you know, good and evil. And, you know, there's no such thing as evil. I think we're turning on our media right now and we're looking and even the most hard hearted are going, no, there is evil. Evil truly exists. And, uh, you know, how did we get you? We got you when we started eroding the concept of truth itself. Where, where we said, listen, we're not sure, is there, is there such a thing as truth? Does, is truth, is there absolute truth or is there just relative, uh, relative truth? When we lost truth, we lost the idea, the, the counterposing ideas of good and evil. And, and uh, we, we've got to the place in Western society where everything is relative and we go, well, you know, uh, you know, you know all cultures are equal and, and all decisions are equal. Well, I don't think that's true. And it, it doesn't look very true right now as we watch Russian tanks steamrolling across Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian borders and, and bomb, bombing Ukrainian uh, towns and residential areas. I think uh, even in, uh, in our westernized hearts, our, uh, and I think the media is shaken and saying, listen, this is not right. This is wrong. And so we've rediscovered evil, and it seems like we are rediscovering good and uh, good and evil, right and, uh, and wrong. And, you know, this, this is actually a good thing. This is actually a good thing because we, we, can see, we can see the truth in front of our eyes. 
You see, when everything is prosperous and everything is going well and there are no challenges and everything, we have the, the luxury, um, in a sense, of saying, well, it's all just relative. It's all just relative. I remember C.S. Lewis once uh, said that every man is a, uh, is a relativist until somebody else takes their seat on the bus. And, you know, this is, this is what happens. You know, we, it's, all, it's easy to be a relativist until it personally affects you. When it personally affects you, suddenly in your heart you realize that's not right. And, you know, from, from our loss of, of truth and right and wrong and good and evil, it's knocked on into every different area where uh, we've got to the point where, we don't, where nothing is true anymore, where, uh, you know, uh, men can be women and women can be men and, and uh, there's no way of procla uh, proclaiming truth. But that's changing. I believe that's changing. I believe that God is shaking, uh, is shaking the world. I believe there's such a shaking uh, going, uh, going on. And you know what? Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. And this is the greatest rediscovery that we need to be preaching in, uh, in the world uh, today. That not only does truth exist, um, but truth is personal. It's personal in the person of Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. And when, when we come back to that point of preaching Jesus, and this is such a great time. To, to go to people who are afraid and fearful and, and scared and everything, and they're wondering what is to come, to go and tell them, don't be afraid. It's not all murky. There is truth in the, uh, in the universe. And that truth is personal. It is Jesus Christ, and he is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of all. He's the Lord of this moment in history. And this is the encouraging thing is, there have been discouraging moments in history every day, uh, every century, every century where we've been tempted to lose heart. God has not lost the plot. Now it's time to preach the gospel that Jesus is the truth. And then, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that when we lost truth, you end up lo uh, losing freedom because this is uh, what happens uh, is, is that you build your life. Um, and you build societies on either one or the other um, ethic, either the ethic of truth, and you build on what is true, or you build your life on power. And you see um, the likes of, of Putin are trying to build on power. I, I wanted to, in fact, I might still write an article, uh, a blog post this week called, um, Is it wrong for Russia to invade Ukraine? And you see, that's that's the question. Is it wrong um, for uh, for Russia to uh, to invade uh, invade um, Ukraine? Most of us, I hope, would say yes, it's wrong. But then, if we say it's wrong, we have to ask ourselves the question: Why? Why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? Because if there's no such thing as truth, then there's no such thing as good, and there's no such thing as evil. There's no such thing as right. There's no such thing as wrong. There's just power. There's just power. Then the strongest will will prevail. And you know what? That was the way of the world for centuries until the gospel began to change the world, until the gospel began to get into the hearts of men and into, the, uh, and into societies 
and cultures. It was the gospel that tamed our uh, proclivity to conquer one another and to invade uh, uh, one another. So if it's wrong for Putin to invade um, Ukraine, it's wrong because there is a God. And you see, the, uh, the casualty of the loss of truth is the loss of freedom. And we're seeing it in the West as well. In the, in the West, we're losing our freedoms because we've walked away from truth. And um, now the Ukrainians are fighting tooth and nail for their, uh, for their freedom. And the, when the, the only way they can regain their freedom is not because they're more powerful, because they're actually not. The Ukrainians are overmatched in every possible uh, way, but they have truth on their side. We have to believe that. We have to believe that right and wrong is on their side. And because of that, they will prevail. Because truth, in the end, will outlast power. And you know, you know what? This is what we build our lives on. Not that we don't have power. I believe as, as Christians, we are to pursue, uh, pursue power. But power is always the servant of truth. Not truth, the servant of power. And because Jesus, uh, Jesus said, I am uh, the truth. And, you know, this is why Jesus came. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul, uh, Paul said that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And you know what? That is the gospel's mission in the earth, is to bring freedom. To bring freedom in our lives personally, but to, and bring freedom in our, in our families, to bring freedom in our, in our churches, in our cities, our nations, and ultimately in, uh, uh, in the earth. And, uh, and so I was thinking about this and I thought this is a time for us to really embrace courage again as, as Christians, as the church, to embrace courage in our, in our homes and our society. And um, I, I started thinking of um, another, another warrior, uh, Joshua. Um, and Joshua, and he, uh, he had a mission to lead his people into the, uh, into the promised land. And, uh, God, uh, God spoke to him and uh, gave him these instructions. And you'll, you'll know this passage. So I'm going to give you um, seven habits for highly encouraged people. Seven habits for highly encouraged people out of Joshua chapter one. So Joshua chapter one says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now that you and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised to Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers together. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you uh, may go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will, uh, will be with you wherever you go. I, I'm going to start with the last verse there where, where the Lord says, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm starting with that because I actually think that the Lord was speaking to Joshua because Joshua at that moment found himself terrified and discouraged. I, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't have any evidence for this, but it just seems like the Lord is responding to, uh, to Joshua's prayer. And he begins this passage by saying, Moses, my servant is dead. And um, I've always thought it's probably the most insensitive line in the Bible from, uh, from the Lord. You know, it's like Joshua was praying, Moses is dead. And, and the Lord comes and gives him a word. Moses is dead. And, and I can imagine Joshua saying, well, thank you for mentioning that. But the, here are the, 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 the seven points for highly encouraged uh, people. I think the Lord comes is coming to Joshua to encourage him just before he faces the fight of his life, the thing that he's been raised up for, for this moment. And the Lord starts with, Moses is dead. And, and I think for us, the lesson is this. We have to accept responsibility right now, for now. You see, it's all very well to say, what would Moses have done? What would, you know, what would some, you know, what would, what would uh, Smith Wigglesworth have, uh, have done? What would uh, Charles Finney have done? They're all dead. It's not their generation. We are alive and we get to face the challenges of our generation. Whether it's Russia invading Ukraine or out of, uh, out of uh, control wokeness, um, uh, out, of, uh, out of control anti-truth bias in societies, um, or whatever it, uh, whatever it is, the loss of freedom, God says, I have chosen the time for you to be born, which means that you are equipped for now. You are called for now. And the Lord's response to us is Moses is dead. The previous generations are dead. But and he goes on and says to Joshua, now, then you. And it's up to us. Our time is now. We're born for such a time as this. So that's the first thing to embrace is like, I'm born for this. I'm born for this time. God is in control and he loves me and he chose that I would be born at this time. Therefore, I know he's going to anoint me for this time. The second thing is, is the Lord says, I am giving you this land. That's the second habit for highly encouraged people is to understand the Lord says, I am giving you. It's not you are going to. He says, I am. If we're going to be encouraged, we have to begin our perspective by looking at, uh, at God. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when I get discouraged, it's generally when I look at me and I realize how woefully weak, feeble, um, intellectually in, uh, in, ill-equipped um, I am. You know, I, I start feeling like, you know, that scripture that says, oh, worm that I am. You know, um, when I look at myself like, uh, like that, when I begin to look at myself, I lose courage. But God says, I am giving you the land. 
And you know, it's amazing how God will just use anything to get breakthrough. The Lord will uh, sometimes move through us in, in the most crazy way, not because of us, but because of how incredible he is. So get your perspective up and look, uh, look at the Lord. Look at the Lord and say, you know what? He has got this. Keep your eyes on the right way. Third habit for highly encouraged people. Um, the Lord begins to outline the borders of the territory that he is, uh, is going to be giving to Joshua. Interestingly enough, he's already he's done this before, but he outlines the vision for, uh, for Joshua. He tells him, this is what I'm going to uh, do to you. Uh, uh, he's gonna give. You know what? We need to see the vision. We need to see the vision. We need to get a vision for the impact of the gospel radically transforming nations. Radically transforming nations. I, I, I want to say Western Europe will be revived again. Amen. The gospel will triumph in Africa. Islam will not remain in control of the middle uh, the middle east or indonesia or uh, islam will bow the knee to jesus the lord has said i will give you every place on which you place your foot north america shall be renewed and shall be revived and shall be reformed in jesus name amen our god is in control let's see the vision Let's believe the vision that it can happen because the enemy is always bombarding us with a different vision, with, that, with an, another picture. And uh, you know what? I don't know about you, but when I allow myself to look at that, it depresses my heart and I lose my courage. Anyone else? Anyone else? You just sometimes think, man, what is happening? But you know what? God's got a different plan. He said the kingdom is coming. The kingdom, your kingdom come. He wouldn't ask us to pray prayers that he didn't mean, uh, mean to answer. The third thing is, the, the Lord says, I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now, that is a twofold statement. It's a statement where the Lord's saying to Joshua, I'm going to back you up. And that's really powerful. But it's also a statement of the presence that God's presence is going to be with us. Now, that is so encouraging, is, is that wherever you go, Jesus is going with you. Miracles are liable to break out just because you're there, because Jesus said, I will be with you. It is impossible for you to go anywhere without there, for, without there being the potential for miracles, because he said, I will be with you. It's amazing. You know, the Lord said that to Joshua. Jesus said, uh, uh, said that to uh, us. No matter where we go, he is with us. Miracles are going to break. And so, but the problem is, is we lose our awareness of his presence. We forget that he's with us. Every now and then we go, oh, are you still here? No, he's promised he will never leave nor, uh, nor forsake us. Amen. So that's the fourth habit for highly encouraged people to know he's with us wherever you go. Tune into his presence. Take a moment. On my Apple Watch, there's this cool feature that uh, it's got this mindful. It's a mindfulness app. 
So it pops up four times a day. It says, take a moment of mindfulness. And what I do when that pops up now, what Debbie and I have done is we stop and we just become aware of God's presence with us. Maybe, maybe you can find another way. Maybe you've got a, a clock that chimes in your home. Every time it chimes, just take a minute to stop and turn around and become aware of, uh, of God's presence. You know, the thing is, is that we, we, have to, we have to train ourselves to be aware of his presence because we are people of his presence. God is raising up an army of joy-filled lovers. We are that army. Uh, we are an army of joy-filled lovers. And part of that is, uh, is becoming aware of his presence. Five, the fifth habit for highly encouraged people. The Lord says uh, uh, to Joshua, he says, only be strong and courageous. You see, God tells, um, uh, tells Joshua to be strong. Now, the interesting thing is, is that sometimes strength is just a decision. And courage is just a decision, you know, where we choose to stand in this moment and say, you know what? I believe that the gospel will overcome. I believe that God is in control. I believe that freedom will not be snuffed out in our time. In fact, I believe for the renewal and the reformation of nations. I believe that evil men like Putin will fall ultimately that we've seen them off in previous generations and we will see them off in this generation, no matter what the price or, uh, or the cost. And no, we are not uh, believing God for a nuclear Holocaust to wipe out the world. No, God has a better plan than that. The, the sixth habit of highly successful uh, people, the Lord says to Joshua, he says that you may be careful to do everything that is in this book. Get rid of sin. Get rid of sin in your life. Sinful habits, sinful practices, sinful thoughts. Get rid of it. Nothing drains your courage like sin. When, when you're not sure that you're living right before the Lord, it drains your faith. It drains uh, uh, your courage. And how do you get rid of it? Meditate on the word so that you are reminded of who you are in Christ of the, the, the incredible price that God has paid to make you a prince of his kingdom and that you live up to that, that identity. So kill the desire for sin in you. And finally, uh, the final uh, one here, I like this, says, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be, may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful choose your thinking choose what you're thinking about Medi you know meditate it's, it's funny how um well, amongst many christians you can't even use the word meditate because they think it's something eastern or something occultic but meditation was ours first and meditation is purposeful focused thinking that's what it is it's purposeful, focused thinking. And we choose what we're going to think about. And we choose the word. We choose the promises of God. We choose the goodness of God. We choose the nature of God. 
if we do these things, I believe that we will become people who are highly encouraged, who have got courage for this time, and we will be a blessing in the uh, in the earth. So with that, I want to encourage you to embrace those seven habits of highly encouraged people. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.